Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Guys, you know, I just am very grateful for not only our musicians, because you can get to see these guys, but I'm grateful for the people who do our production and run the cameras. I'm grateful. Hold on here. I'm grateful, because you can't clap yet. You're not supposed to. Some of you just jump in the gun, get clapping, and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> I'm grateful for the people who, can, who are up here early in the morning at the break of dawn, and they're getting this place ready. I'm grateful for the people who serve during the week, and and, and, and did preparations. I'm grateful for the people who are back there working with the children right now. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to all of you. God bless you. and Thank you for all that you do in our church. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People will be in heaven because of what you do. Thank you so much. Well, go ahead and get your Bibles open to the book of Luke, chapter number 1, verse 39. Luke 1, 39, and hold yourself, hold your place right there. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's Christmas season, and it is Christmas season all month long, right? Yeah, I, I love this. This is really my favorite time of the year. And I, as, you're, as you're finding your place in Luke 1, 39, I just want to admonish you to reflect upon traditions that were important to you, maybe in your childhood or, or at different times in your, in your life with your family. Reflect on those traditions and see those traditions established and utilize them and tap into them because there's something powerful about our Christmas traditions because it, it takes us to a different moment. You know, even as they were singing Silent Night, it's a beautiful song, but it takes me back, and it takes me to different places. And so I encourage you to, to utilize traditions in your home, with your life, with your family, and it could be songs, it could be music, uh, it, it's a, it could be decorations or events or activities, and we do a lot with our family, and, and uh, those traditions are important for Christmas. Make sure, and also if you're a parent, make sure you establish regular traditions for Christmas. Even though you may celebrate it a little bit differently each year, have some regular traditions that you do. One of the things that I love is that, is that my, my boys, is, as they've married and, and have established families, that, that they're, um, they are holding on to traditions that were established during their childhood, and that's important for Christmas. So I love it. All right, well, this is, today I'm launching a three-part series called Rejoice, and, uh, and, and that's a really, really important term that has everything to do with Christianity, but also with Christmas as well. And today's message is entitled, Rejoice, Jesus Has Come. Jesus has come. Now, there are two words you're going to hear me using a lot in this series, and it's joy and rejoice. So I want to kind of clear the air because I'm going to use these words kind of interchangeably because I really have to, because joy is a noun. Joy is something you possess, like I have joy. You guys know about nouns? You remember that? <laughs> rejoice is a verb. It's something that you do. So if you possess joy, then you naturally rejoice. So they work together. In fact, in the Greek language, uh, these are almost identical words. So one is a noun, one is a verb, but I'm going to be using them interchangeably so, so that you kind of understand what I'm saying. But uh, 
In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, go ahead and, and get that out because I'm about to dive into a little bit of background. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the future mother of Jesus at this point, she's visiting her cousin, Elizabeth. And Mary is already pregnant with Jesus, but probably only a few days along in her pregnancy. I mean, we, it's, just, it's very, very early because right after the angel announced to her she was going to have a baby, immediately, I mean, she got packed her stuff and went over to visit her uh, her her cousin Elizabeth. Now, what she didn't know is that her they, they didn't have the opportunity to text one another or call one another, do FaceTime or anything like that. Uh, they didn't have Instagram or Facebook, so they couldn't show off all the stuff that was going on in their lives and make it look like it was better than it actually was. You know how that works. <laughs> but but uh, but she found out that her her uh, her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant. Now, just a little bit of a just an insider view here. She was pregnant, she was six months pregnant, but she was pregnant with John the Baptist. So all this comes together at this moment. Here we go, let's take a look at it now. Luke 1, 39. It says that at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country in Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, when you think of the hill country here in Texas, we think of it as just beautiful, beautiful land. We love to go out there and camping and, and, and enjoying the hill country. Uh, it's, and it's, it's a wonderful part of Texas. But, but there, the hill country was literally the hillbilly country. So it, that's, that is important to know because it was literally the hill. It's, it's, it's kind of like East Texas, but sh- no, just don't, don't, don't say too much about that around here. If you're from East Texas, we still love you. God, God set you free maybe already. I don't know. But, uh, but it was hillbilly country, and the people out there, kind of like East Texas. Now, the people out there, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But the people out there, they even spoke with, with a kind of a slang dialect. And, but there, there, was, there was really, seriously, there was a lot of poverty and lack of education. And, and it, was a, it, was, it was an area that people really didn't think a lot of. But I do like going to East Texas. But it was, a, it, was a, it was an area that people didn't care very much about, the hill country of Judea. And the reason I tell you that is I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he started in the most impoverished area of Judea. He wasn't born into a king's household. That is good for us to know. All right, let's keep looking along. There's more to this. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, this is more than that. I know I've, I've never been pregnant. I know, but I've had a wife who's been pregnant a few times, and the baby moves from time to time. But this was something significant. So it's like the baby was doing somersaults in Elizabeth's womb when Mary walks in. Okay, that's, that's huge. And at that moment, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so picture this. They're just seeing each other. And bam, this happens. Mary had not even told her anything yet. She walks in the door. All of a sudden, this baby starts doing somersaults. Uh, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural moment. And it says, in a loud voice, she, which is Elizabeth, exclaimed, blessed are you among women. So she begins prophesying over Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Look at that, leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Hold your place right there. Now, so I want you to think about this. This baby leaped for joy. How in the world did, did that happen? Well, the unborn John the Baptist, he sensed the presence of God himself coming in in Mary's womb. And, of course, which makes Jesus and John actually second cousins, but he sensed, this baby sensed the presence of God. Now, any of you who believes, well, life begins at this and this or that point, whatever, Here, here's the truth. Jesus was conceived in that womb just a few days earlier, and, when, and, and Mary's not showing anything. I mean, there's nothing happening there. And, and she comes walking in, and all of a sudden, this other baby who's six months along is leaping, and then Elizabeth has become filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to prophesy and say things about Mary that Mary had never told her. There was rejoicing in the impoverished hill country. The rejoicing. Uh, I, I, I was just pondering this. Like, how can an unborn baby, like, be happy or sad? I, and I don't know if they have emotions or not. There's no way for us to really know. But I do know this much. A baby can rejoice. An unborn baby can rejoice under certain circumstances. A baby that's never seen the light of day, a baby that's never tasted the most delicious Christmas desserts, a baby that's never had the experience of encountering the goodness and the beauty of God's creation, this unborn baby could rejoice. So that tells me something right there. Rejoicing is not dependent upon what you see, what you feel, what's all around you. Look, look, look forward at verse 46, Luke 1, 46. Now this is the beginning of something that's called Mary's Song, and it's, it's the beginning of several verses of poetry that, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mary begins poetically uh, declaring some things. And so she, this is called Mary's Song. We don't know whether it's called that. We don't know whether she sang it or not or whether uh, sang it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or whether she was just saying this in poetic verse, but it is definitely another uh, instance of the, the beauty of God. So Luke chapter 1, verse 46, in this poetic verse, Mary says this, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. There's that word again. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now all generations will call me blessed. Now, again, hold your place there. So she's saying her spirit is rejoicing, but it's in the context of her humble estate. She is actually a servant girl. She's about a, probably about a 14-year-old servant girl. She doesn't have a lot going for her. Plus, she lives in the hill country of Judea. So she, is in, has, she lives in very humble circumstances. And, and what is she's, what's happening here is she's rejoicing because of what is going to happen as a result of this unborn baby that she can't even feel or, or even tell is there at that point. See, rejoicing, my friend, catch, catch this, rejoicing is 
about something that's going to happen in the future, something good that's going to happen. Like I, I, on Sundays, I rejoice before church. I rejoice. I'm, I'm glad because God's going to do something good. God's going to rescue someone out of sin. God's going to break a stronghold in someone's life. God's going to give somebody clear, clarity of direction regarding some next steps. God's going to build a relationship. God's going to heal a home. God's going to heal a family. A little boy or a little girl back there is going to experience the presence of God. I rejoice before it even happens. I rejoice before the sun gets up. And, and that's, but that is rejoicing because it is future-oriented. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, a little further down in the story, I want you to, to, to look there as well, because now we're seeing the same thing happening again a few months later. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, this is the portion of the scripture where the shepherds are, are greeted by an angel. An angel speaks to them, and then a whole host of angels, you know, just rejoices with them. And, uh, but but, but uh, you've, got, you've got to understand this, the circumstances. Now they're in a little town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is another very small town, but it's a, it's a, a town that is known for its sheep, its shepherding. In that culture, shepherding was the lowest of the occupations that you could have. So here again, in a town that's known for the lowest of the occupations, in that atmosphere, <laughs> Jesus Christ is born. It's not in a hospital, of course. Not, in, not a hotel. It's not in an Airbnb. He's born in a barn. Now, we're good Texans around here. Most of us have been in a barn. If you haven't been in a barn, you've been in the city way too long. This is, you need to go to the stock show and rodeo or something like that. Come on, be a real Fort Worthian around here. It's not a pleasant place. But that's where Jesus Christ was born. So shepherds, the lowest of the occupation, in, a, in a, just a, a town that people kind of make fun of, Bethlehem, and there Joseph and Mary are with a brand new baby that's just been born, and they're in a barn. Again, circumstances are not good. Ladies, any of you who have ever bore a child, could you imagine? Could you imagine? No midwife, nothing. I mean, Joseph, like, so how do you do this? I don't know. Here, okay. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So it was the night crew. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, <clears throat> and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be, be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, and there's that word again, joy. Great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. So this is good news that's going to cause great joy, great rejoicing. And, and what, what the angel is saying is that everyone will have the opportunity to engage this joy. Everyone is going to have the opportunity to choose this joy and to be, and to be able to rejoice themselves. And, and what had been promised years and years and years ago through the prophecy has now arrived. This is the moment. And how could impoverished, stinky shepherds, and catch, him, catch this, it says they were living in the fields. It didn't just say they were hanging out there or they were punching in and punching out on the time clock. It says they were living living in the fields. How in the world can they ha be happy about anything? 
But actually, the scripture doesn't say they were happy. It says they could rejoice. They could have joy. Now, joy, very clearly, it is not happiness, okay? Happiness is a mood, and it's based upon your circumstances. I was looking online on some of this, and I found this forum where an agnostic asks a question. And here, this agnostic says, why are Christians always so happy? I'm agnostic, and I've spent the last seven years trying to believe, but it seems I've lost the ability to believe because of all the illogical things. He says, I envy you Christians for your happiness. I can't see any purpose in my life, and I'm even thinking about killing myself all the time. I just want to know how I can be happy like you. Well, that's what he sees, that he, he perceives it as happiness, but please understand, happiness is short, short term. Happiness doesn't last long. For example, on Friday evening, I was in an event, and there was something there. It was called Sopapilla Cheesecake, and any good Texan knows what that is. You go further up north, they're going to laugh at you. Go, we don't do that there. But they don't do, they don't do, they don't do spicy you know, salsa up there either, so I don't know. They don't do tamales. What, what's wrong with them? But, but Sopapilla Cheesecake, and man, and I got myself some, and it was so good, and then I snuck back later when nobody was looking, and I got myself another piece, and I went and talked around some other people that never saw me eating the first piece, and I ate a second piece, and what happened? I was happy. A little bit of a sugar rush, too. But I was happy. I was happy. But the happiness didn't last forever because after that, the, the experience of the Sopapilla cheesecake was gone, well, I was kind of back to normal again. So happiness is conditional. It's, it's a mood based upon the circumstances that are around you. Now, joy is different. Joy is not some phony disposition of like turning your frown upside down. Some of you may say, hey, turn that frown upside down. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of forcing it. That's like fake it till you make it. Try harder and you'll get there. No, that's not what I'm talking about. See, joy is not this thing that you've got to try to force or like, mm, you know, no, it's not. Take a look at this. Joy, oh, it's beautiful. It's a fruit of the spirit and it's an attitude of hope. This is actually the, 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 the Greek definition for joy. This is the Bible definition for joy and rejoicing. It is the attitude of hope that is rooted in the past and looking to the future. Come on, I want to say this again. Joy is an attitude of hope that is rooted in the past that's looking forward to the future. So this Bible definition of joy, it's not about trying to cheer up. What you do is, is rejoicing in joy. You look back at what's happened in the past. God, uh, God coming through. Uh, miracles personal salvation. Joy is rooted in the things God has done in the past. In fact, we can even have joy that God did certain things throughout history. That's part, it's rooted in the past knowing that God has already done stuff, okay? So the roots go back there. And it is also, though, looking toward the future. See, because there are prophecies of things that have not yet been experienced. And, and 
this has been going on for a long time. Let me just tell you, give you a little bit, little bit of the context here from the Jewish people. The Jewish people were always ridiculed and persecuted and oppressed. The Jewish people were a religious minority. And that was their life. I mean, they lived under the thumb of these oppressive empires and, and it just happened over and over and over. But, but, when you, they, but they like to go back to the story of Egypt because that's where they were oppressed the most. And they were oppressed and it was terrible, but God rescued them out of slavery and brought them to a land of promise. And so they were able to rejoice. In fact, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they began to rejoice. Why? It was rooted in the past of things, and they were looking forward to the future. God has already set us free from, from Egypt. We can see they're, they're behind us. They're, the, the soldiers are dead in the Red Sea, and we get to look forward to the future. So they rejoice. They rejoice because of what's happened in the past and what they know is going to happen in the future, but it really has nothing to do about current happiness or sadness. That's key for us because happiness and sadness comes and goes. Comes and goes. And if you judge your life by happiness and sadness, you're looking at the wrong thing. If you need a constant stimulation of things to make you happy, what I encourage you to do is to engage the joy of the Lord, which is rooted in the past and looking forward to the future. You see, God's people, they were looking forward to a homeland and a Messiah and and this story of them moving out of Egypt, it is continually, uh, it's continually told over and over and over. In fact, my Jewish friends, they, can, they, they say that's just part of their tradition. They keep telling that story over and over. Why? It's because they talk about the past, and they are still actually looking for the Messiah to come. They, they believe he's going to come one of these days because they missed the first coming. Well, he will come a second time. But, but understand this. It's rooted in the past, looking forward to the future. It's rooted in deliverance from slavery and oppression. Just like you, many of you, you've given your life to Christ and, and there's oppression and there was spiritual slavery and you felt driven to do things you didn't want to do and you were under all type, you just felt like you were bound up with all kinds of guilt and shame and condemnation but God sets you free from that through salvation and so, so you can look at the past and say, I see what God has done in me already. No, I'm not always happy. No, things aren't always perfect, but I also know this, because God did that in the past, God's gonna do something wonderful in the future. So those past memories give you hope for this future deliverance of what God's gonna do. So to rejoice, it means this. To rejoice means that you're going to have joyful expectation in your future hope. So you can rejoice, not about present circumstances at all, some of you, you can look around you and you say, there's nothing to rejoice about here, here, and here, and, and the, but there might be things to be happy and sad about, but we don't rejoice over those circumstances. We rejoice because it's rooted in the past with hopeful expectation of the future, and it's all wrapped around the character of God. God is faithful. He was faithful, he is faithful, and he will be faithful. So Christian joy, what is it? Christian joy is this. Christian joy is all about having faith and hope in the power of Jesus' love, because he loves you guys. He loves you, he loves you. He's not gonna let you down. He won't let you down. He won't let you down. He won't let you down. Think of the little infant child who's, uh, if you've ever had a family and you have children and that little baby's crying and, and is sad and, and is in the crib and you know that baby needs to take their nap or, or whatever and, and they, they need to cry. Or, or they, they, but that baby's going, oh, the world is collapsing. Nobody loves me. I'm here all alone. It's terrible. Yeah, I don't know what's going through their mind, but they're probably thinking that. It's like, this is terrible. I just have to cry louder because I've been abandoned. Life is hard. 
but right on the other side of the door, there's mom or there's dad or there's big brother or sister knowing everything's going to be all right, and they're watching on the monitor, everything's okay. And the little nap happens, and they wake up, and they get to eat, and they're like, oh, that's right. You see, you don't worry about the current circumstances because you're going to win in the end regardless of today's struggles. I'll say it again. You will win in the end regardless of today's struggles. And joy, it's not defined by your struggles, but it's defined by your future hope. I get asked this a lot, you know, wow, how can you be so happy all the time? I, uh, some people around downtown call me just this, this happy guy. He's just always happy. Well, try, hang around me for a week. I am not happy all the time. I'm not happy. Rebecca, I'm, I, most of the time, most of the time. <laughs> Liar. But... Um, <laughs> I am not happy all the time, but you know what I have about myself is I have joy. I have joy. I have joy. I, I remember several years ago, I had been in a situation, and I was, I was coming in for uh, my men's discipleship group early on, a, early on a, it was a Tuesday morning, Monday or Tuesday morning, and, and there was a guy who was asleep in front of the building, but it was dark, and I didn't see him, and, 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 I, and I stepped on him. I, you know, just... <laughs> Didn't mean to, but I stepped on it. I just did not see the guy. And, and, uh, and he reacted and, and pulled my leg, and I went down on my knee, and I broke my patella. And, and I went ahead and did my discipleship. I remember the, the break, and I was, it was a little bit messed up. Like, wow, that was kind of weird. I felt something happen here, so I just propped my leg up and finished with my group. And then, okay, I'm going to go to my car, and then I think I'll just go to the doctor to see what's wrong. And I finish it up, and I can't move my leg. I can't do anything. So some awesome dudes carried me to my car, and I drove, you know, with, with the messed up leg because my right foot was fine. So you, all you need is one leg to drive, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. All you need is one. You don't need that unless you're driving a standard, and that's a whole other story. So welcome to your new car. So um, you're... But I, but I was able to go, and then, you know, for months, for months, just the healing process. And Sunday mornings, uh, it, you know, I'd have to add in, like, an extra hour and a half just to get up and, and, and get myself ready. And I, I couldn't shower at the church. I mean, I couldn't shower at my, my home because I couldn't get into the shower. There's just no way. And so I'd have to use the handicapped shower at the gym. So the night before, I'd get my handicapped shower and do that and, and then get myself ready on Sunday mornings, hoping I still smell fresh the next Sunday morning, and, and come in here and do my crutches. And I would sit down. They, the guys were so nice. They, they, put a, they would set a table up for me with a chair, and I'd sit down and get my crutches. That was, I'm telling you guys, that was not fun. It was, it was stinking annoying, and it was a pain. I didn't like it. I couldn't climb the stairs in my house for, oh, about a month and a half until I finally learned how with my crutches. I was stuck downstairs sleeping on the sofa, because we don't have a downstairs bedroom, for about, for, for the longest time, and none of that was fun. But I could rejoice. I could rejoice in the middle of it all. It was not based upon my current circumstances. So why am I always so happy? I'm not, but I have joy. And you can rejoice also because I believe God is saying something to you that he's saying to just the same thing really that he was saying to the shepherds out there in the field. He's, the angel said to them, Luke 2.10, do not be afraid. And God's saying that to some of you right now. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And you get to choose, do you want that joy? 
The good news is this, Jesus has come. And that means something awesome for your current life, but also for the future. He came once, and he's going to come a second time. One of my favorite Christmas songs is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Any of you guys like that song? I love it. Charles Wesley, he's the one who wrote that. And, and he, he had his theology down pretty good. Because I, I love the words here, and I, I put them on the screen for you there. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled what, what does that mean take a look at it for just a second look at those lyrics it's saying Jesus is king and peace on earth it's not here yet so that's future oriented see that see, catch that some people hear that that song like well there's no peace on earth so this can't be true no that's future oriented that's about Jesus has come, we, have, we are rejoicing because peace on earth will come. It's going to happen in the future. And mercy is extended to every man, every woman, and God and sinners are reconciled. That bridge that, that was broken because of sin between God and man, it's now put back together, and God can commune with man, and man can commune with God, and we rejoice because of that. Thank God. We rejoice because the immortal God is born so that mortal man can live in eternity. That's why we rejoice. So today, today, today we rejoice because we look back because 2,000 years ago, God came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and he lived on this earth and he died for our sins. And the beauty of that, and that was all prophesied even beforehand, is along with those prophecies, he's going to come back a second time and we will live with him for eternity. And that's why I rejoice today. So, so get this, joy is not the absence of suffering. And some of you, I know your stories and you have been through some unbelievable suffering. But joy is not based upon that suffering. No, no, no. Joy is the abiding presence of God that's with you through thick and thin. Trouble and sickness and heartache and pain and agony and conflict can still happen. But in the middle of it, you can rejoice because you have faith. You have this hope that's rooted in the past. Jesus came. It's looking forward to the future. Jesus will come again. Pain might be there. But you know what? Scripture also tells us this. It tells us this. Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. Weeping may stay for the night. It might be there. You might go through a, a night or a season of just weeping and sadness and sorrow. But rejoicing comes in the morning. It's God's going to turn it around. He is. And some of you, I look at you and I know your stories. And I know when you've been through the weeping time. And now you're in the rejoicing time. Some of you, just you're in the weeping time. But the rejoicing time is coming. See, God works this pattern over and over and over. So I want to tell you this Christmas, I want you to haul off and rejoice. 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 I want to pray for you right now. Will you just receive this prayer? God, I pray for a spirit of rejoicing and joy to be upon your people who are here, who are in this room and who are watching online. Even those who are sick, who feel beat down, who are in a really, really bad situation or circumstance, I pray that rejoicing will come, that joy will come, that we'll get, we will no longer be leaning just into our happiness or sadness. No, we're going to have the steady joy rooted in the past, looking forward to the future. And I thank you, God. Thank you, God, that the church of Jesus Christ, we are a people of joy great joy for all people that's us so we choose it and we're going to operate it in it 
this day on. And God, I just pray that as we're going through life over these next few weeks, when people see us just having joy, they're going to say, why are you so happy? He's like, it's not happiness, it's joy. It's because of what God did and for what God's going to do. I'm in the middle of it right now, but God still has wonderful things out there in the future for me. I thank you, God, that you are our source of joy. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ yet, please know the best you can ever experience is happiness. It's fleeting. It's a nice thing, but it's just, it comes and goes. And it can stay gone for a long, long time. But Jesus can give you joy. And he gives you the future. And if you're here today and you're not in right relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to receive him before we go any further. So I'm, I'm looking around right now, and I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if, if, if you want to give your life to Christ, then I want to connect my faith with you. And so I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And so you'll, you'll just lift your hand for me. I want to connect my faith with you. And we're going to pray. And you're going to be moving into this joy-filled life. You're going to be able to move into the hope of eternity. You're going to move into the forgiveness of sins. You're going to move into freedom from guilt, shame, and condemnation, which is God's plan for everyone. That's why Jesus came. He <laughs> came for you. If that's you and you want to join me in prayer today, count three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift it up so that I can see it. I want to connect my faith with you right now. Thank you. Let's pray. If you lifted your hand or if you are didn't even lift your hand and you know this is your moment to receive Christ. I want you to pray this and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Church, I want you to pray as well as an encouragement to those who are around you who are making things right with God. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I choose for my sins to be forgiven. So wash me in your precious blood. I make the choice also to turn from the way I used to live so I'm going to serve you and I will learn the beauty of your goodness and I will look forward to an eternity with you and today and in this life I will choose to possess joy and I will be a person who rejoices no longer bound up by happiness and sadness but always experiencing joy in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.